you think of a traditional shipyard, what comes to mind? Is it loud and expansive, full of scaffolding and tools? Are there workers scurrying around? Is there dirt and grime? And what about the colossal size? Today's shipyards are just as big, but they're moving towards a digital future. Hey Siri, how big is the Osborne Shipyard in Adelaide? The Osborne Naval Shipyard, the nation's premier naval industry hub. A click of a mouse, a tap of a key, a keyword entered. These are all that's needed for technology to understand people's intentions. And as digital capabilities grow, so does our ability to make efficient, high-tech dreams a reality. Enter the world of the digital shipyard, where smart technologies are changing the way that we work and where people remain the centre of this change. Hi, I'm Lily Cerner. Welcome to Technically Possible, a place where we explore the technology behind Australia's defence industry. Presented by BAE Systems Australia. In our last episode, we looked at Australia's maritime muscle, how the naval shipbuilding and sustainment industry has evolved and how Australia is transitioning into a shipbuilding nation. In this episode, we go deeper into the digital design revolution, transforming the traditional maritime industry of hammer and tong to one that is more agile and forward thinking. Shipbuilding is enthusiastically embracing the fourth industrial revolution, also known as Industry 4.0, which uses smart technology to automate traditional processes and revamp labour practices. Australia's new hunter-class frigates, which we spoke about in our last episode, are based on the UK's Type 26 Global Combat Ship, the first frigate to be entirely digitally designed. A new generation of shipbuilders will be working in a digital shipyard, revolutionising how we build and sustain ships in Australia. It's a very exciting future. Let's have a try. Check, check, check. No, that's clear. OK, wonderful. Meet Greg Laxton. He's the Director of Maritime Sustainment at BAE Systems Australia. What if we had a digital ship that was so realistic and accurate that you could immerse yourself in it and you could hardly tell the difference between the virtual version and a real ship, like being in a really advanced um, 3D video game. Digital ships afford us the opportunity to design and then virtually build, sustain, and, and even operate these vessels in the digital environment. So we can effectively stress test them and, and even training the sailors for the new ship virtually before they are even built. Technology transforms our traditional maritime industry and makes it work better for the demands of today and tomorrow. I'm just such a huge fan of the art of the possible and innovation in general. What I find really fascinating with the, the whole industry 4.0 and where things are going is just the rate of change and looking for opportunities as, as we go forward to do things better, faster and, and smarter. And generally what you see is, is this confluence between a product and service coming together with a, a human need and, and perhaps a need that they didn't even know existed and a new technology. And when those three things fuse together, you, you start to get some quite significant disruption and, and change going forward. 
consider smartphones. 15 years ago, no, no one would, could have convinced me that I need a smartphone, and, and now you know, I, I don't leave home without one. This technological revamp is critical for the Navy and Australia's maritime shipbuilding industry to ensure it remains innovative and sustainable. It is the greatest regeneration of Australia's naval capability since the Second World War. And when it comes to shipbuilding and sustainment, the objective is long-term. Sharon Wilson is the Continuous Naval Shipbuilding Strategy Director for BAE Systems Australia. Principal change uh, is around the technology, not just in terms of what we build, but how we build it. I guess uh, the biggest uh, change would be the removal of paper. Uh, you know, the old design office and uh, literally blueprints where ships were designed, very difficult to capture the designer's intent. And so, you know, that whole link from what goes down onto paper, then into the shipyard in terms of uh, people then having to interpret that data into building from 2D into 3D. Uh, and so if you follow that through from design all the way into sustainment, from a digital perspective, we can not only capture the, the thoughts and the intent, not just the know what, but the know why, from the designer's head all the way through out into production where we can capture what the manufacturing process uh, would bring up uh, live so we can capture that into the data so the workers who are performing the work in the shipyard can make comments and notes and take photographs that can then be used in sustainment by either the sailors or the maintainers to say well nine years ago when this piece of equipment was originally fitted to the ship this is what the person who did that fitting had to say about that and, and tips and tricks about how things are assembled and how things are disassembled and I guess that's the difference in that space. While the removal of pen and ink drawings has revolutionised design practices, it's the world of virtual reality that holds an exciting future for innovative shipbuilding. Using full-scale 3D prototypes, a ship can be virtually built without entering a physical space. Putting on a virtual reality headset, you navigate your way through an entire ship, not just the platform, but the wiring, the galley, the bridge, the accommodation, right down to the USB ports. Engineers can come up with new designs, spot problems and solve them all virtually. This saves time and money by ensuring everything is exactly right before building in the physical shipyard begins. It's an immersive experience, so you literally do see things in 3D. You can walk around the ship, uh, which is a bit disconcerting uh, when you can go through bulkheads and uh, etc, which is a, a strange experience. But you can really visualise what the ship looks like. So from a visualisation perspective, our visualisation suites, you can actually walk around inside that ship. And so, of course, one of the really great things for Australian industry in particular is we can trial Australian equipment inside the existing model. That model also includes, it's not just the 3D model, it includes all the linkages to the design data and the capture of that design data. We're also developing a, a tool set that gives a visualization of the ship and the shipyard, and it's a product called Hunter Explorer. And it's a product that we're using right now to introduce people to the shipyard. They can have it on their phone, their tablet, or on their desktop. And that gives a 3D visualization of the yard and everything within it from where's the nearest fire escape, 
fire extinguisher to where can I park my car, where's the best coffee, but also looking at inside the buildings in terms of how machines are working, whether they're working at full rate or not, and also things like safety, knowing where people are in the yard. The importance of being able to work in the virtual space was amplified in 2020, when the COVID-19 pandemic hit. Larissa Stetsenko is Associate Professor in Project Management at the University of South Australia. There were significantly increased lead times for critical equipment and prime subsystems, and also disruptions of supply of materials and components for major defence programs. But also in terms of staff mobility and personal exchange due to travel restrictions and border closures. For the last few years, Larissa's research has been in supply chain integration and resilience. COVID-19 had a number of effects on the maritime industry, and in particular for small to medium-sized enterprises, or SMEs. Personnel um, coming from overseas could not come to deliver hands-on services, face-to-face consultations, specialised training in complex and dangerous environments, trade shows and exhibitions were cancelled, and also quarantine times. And there was disruption uh, where lead times increased from two weeks to up to 50 weeks, and prices have risen up up to 10 times. And as we know, that cascading effects of manufacturing lockdowns in Asia and Europe uh, was coupled with social distancing and travel restrictions, Uh, which have caused economic losses and disruptions that we continue to experience. So that was a real challenge. The effects of the pandemic were felt globally and further highlighted the need for industries to be agile and fit for the future. For the maritime industry, having a space where people can work on a ship without being physically in it is more important than ever. Greg Laxton explains how it's not only the building phase where technology holds the advantage for ships, It's also in sustainment, the work that is done to keep ships in peak condition over the many years of their life. So digital sustainment in many ways will enable us to work better, faster and smarter. And one example is from the design phase of of an upgrade. We used to, in the past, sometimes build physical mock-ups of designs to road test them. And an example of this was the redesign of the Anzac class operations room. So, so we literally built a cardboard mock-up of the layout and we, we gathered all the people around and we were looking at human factors. Can people talk to each other? Can they communicate? Can they see each other? Can they move around effectively around the equipment? And if we wanted to change it, we'd literally pull out the scissors and the sticky tape. So with digital sustainment, an accurate version can be built virtually and then modified quickly. And as an added bonus, the people don't even need to be there physically to, to come together to road test it. And getting things right at the outset is so much more efficient and effective. It's been estimated that the cost of fixing a change that's already been put in place is six to eight times the cost of getting it right in the first place. A digital sustainment system offers intelligent solutions where a vessel can report on its own performance and maintenance needs through technology, relaying information via a central data system to those who need it. So one of the things that's, that's changing is the ability to make sense of large amounts of data. Modern ships, they've got hundreds of systems and each in turn has got many sensors. So all spewing out copious amounts of data. What digital sustainment offers, particularly through AI, is the ability to analyse and make sense of the data so we can actually optimise and harmonise the operation of all those systems on the ship to maximise capability. 
And from a sustainment point of view, we can predict now with accuracy when things need to be maintained and repaired. This enables better planning so that any operational impact of taking systems offline for maintenance and repair is minimised. Computers entered the maritime industry in the 1960s when a mainframe filled an entire room. Since then, computers have become much smaller and technology better integrated. This interconnectivity is critical for the development of a mature industry. It can be seen already in the system-to-system communication used between things like drones and piloted aircraft, or ships and their missiles. You can also see it in the communication between physical objects, what's called the Internet of Things. This is where objects are embedded with sensors, software and other technologies for the purpose of connecting with other devices over the internet. Like when you program your home aircon via your phone. We can then actually optimise how we use the ships, how we operate the ships, and we can also predict with quite a lot of accuracy when things are likely to break down or when they need maintenance and intervention. That also means that we don't have to take the ship offline as often as we would have in the past because we've got a clear idea of of when things actually need the attention rather than just basing it on time. According to Sharon Wilson, this connectivity extends beyond shipbuilding and into other industries. The key thing that that we're doing there is we're making sure that we're using equipment and technology that's in use in other industries. We're pulling a lot on existing technologies that's in logistics businesses, that's in mining, oil and gas, and applying them into shipbuilding technologies. If we look to the future, you know, future of manufacturing in Australia, then the capabilities around Industry 4, which is uh, really what we're talking about from a, a digital perspective, you know, using the shipbuilding program to leverage our uh, supply chain and our industry forward in terms of advanced manufacturing is going to reap many benefits, not just in, in shipbuilding, but across advanced manufacturing full stop. But to reap these advantages, there has to be commitment. It's quite clear that that has to be an enterprise approach. So by enterprise, we mean other prime contractors, we mean academia, we mean government, both state and federal, uh, DSTG and other researchers. So that wider enterprise approach, which really starts to look at uh, how we manage the workforce. Uh, I think it's not not a surprise to anybody to know that you know we've got limited resource, so we need to be able to manage that much more effectively than what we have done to today. That we need to manage the research and, and development in terms of not competing, having complementary research activities to get the best benefit, and that people are working together. Larissa Satsenko agrees that this collaborative model between industries needs to be developed and nurtured. And one way to do that is through open platforms. So the challenge is how to bring uh, the broader industry along the digital journey to build Australian defence capability. So, for example, uh, to enable innovations, we need open platforms and data exchange frameworks. Um, In other words... There are uh, open system architecture standards, which are increasingly explored by by system integrators, where uh, the smaller suppliers can just plug in uh, their systems and equipment into into open platform. And that requires uh, publicized standards, which are widely accepted in the industry. 
In our last episode, we talked about the multi-billion dollar Hunter-class frigate program. These ships are being built using the kind of technology we're discussing here. Held together by a digital thread, which goes from design right through to production and into sustainment. According to Sharon Wilson, the Osborne shipyard will be the shipyard of the future. And it's helping to transform Australia's maritime industry. If we talk about a digital ship from a, a Navy perspective, one of the things that our vision for how the Navy will operate the Hunter-class ships is, is really around the information and the data that they have available to them on the ship compared to what they'd have today, but also the way that information is presented. And so the crew can actually interrogate the system, understand way more about equipment, uh, than what they ever did before, but not to an extent where they're overwhelmed by that data. So part of the work that we're doing is how we, again, talking about putting people at the centre of technology, that is just as valid for Navy in terms of Navy personnel being at the centre of that data. And so them being able to look at how a ship's operating, looking at the different systems, being able to do scenario analysis in terms of you know, how far they can travel in a separate scenario if they have uh, damage to systems or if a system showing that there's potential for future problems. And then what does that do to their mission? And so our vision for the way that, that Navy would operate the ship whilst at sea, but also how it communicates that back to shore and feeds that back into the shore-based system. And so then you can start to look at how a fleet might perform. So that whole scenario planning, the mission planning uh, that Navy has to undertake, what we're looking to achieve as part of the Hunter-class digitization program, our vision is for Navy to have at their fingertips a wealth of information and decision-making support tools that they can actually have much, much more effective missions. We're really talking about seaworthiness, which is a key issue for our Navy in terms of being able to achieve missions. With thousands of workers involved in the Hunter-class frigate program, digital shipbuilding techniques, such as 3D visualisation, are about more than the technology. It's basically a, a tool that we've developed to really put people at the centre of technology. And that, that's the key thing uh, with our research that we've been doing, is that rather than technology being forced upon people, uh, we are absolutely focused on making sure that our technology works with people and for people, and that that's our first principle, is that it's about the people, not the technology. This interconnection of people and technology would change how we work in the shipbuilding industry. So the concept of a, of a digital ship or a digital twin is not new, but the technology enabling it has been improving exponentially over time. So, so digital ships afford us the opportunity to design and then virtually build, sustain and, and even operate these vessels in the digital environment. So we can effectively stress test them and, and even training the sailors for the new ship virtually before they are even built. The changes in operation seen over the last 30 years are reflected in sustainment. So sustainment and building a ship 
should go hand in glove. But in the past, they've, they've often been quite divorced from one another. So historically, in, in the total lifetime of a ship, so that's from cradle to grave, around 20% of the cost is associated with the design and build phase. But 80% of the total cost of owning that ship is incurred during the sustainment phase. So that's a period of, of 20 to 30 years where the Navy is operating that ship in its fleet. And, and that provides a real opportunity. If we can use digital sustainment techniques to do things better, faster and smarter, then that in turn can provide significant cost savings to the Commonwealth. This is about actively refreshing the systems and equipment on a ship so they don't become obsolete. And particularly important um, when the Navy expects to operate these ships for, for 20 to 30 years. This is all about upgrading complex warships to enhance their capability so we can deal with, with a changing environment. The digital shipyard is creating jobs, particularly for young people. What we're talking about here is, is almost the future of work. So it's not how many people do the work, it's what kind of work that they do. So what we're creating is, is uh, I guess, a workforce to be able to visualise that 3D model, to be able to measure what they've put together on the workbench, to be able to programme the robot or the cobot, as we call them, the, the, the robots that work with people, uh, to be able to either hold the piece of equipment while it's being worked, but also to capture the data about what they've made do the measurement and capture that into, into the tool set. So this is not about replacing people. This is about increasing the quality of what they produce, increasing the safety in terms of how they produce it, and hopefully increasing efficiency, which makes the work that they do more effective. It's important for nations to control their own data. And with the development of the digital shipyard, Australia is working towards this kind of autonomy. We've got a unique opportunity here in Australia where we've got that new yard, we've got that new approach, we have some time available and effort available to us to support that entire change. And, you know, I think it's a fantastic opportunity which, you know, some of the other countries that are, that are trying to develop digital ships and digital shipyards quite often don't have that because they're starting with existing systems and they're trying to shoehorn them into their existing paper versions. You know, this is a great time to really start afresh. This is a future where the virtual becomes actual, where the technically possible becomes an inspiring reality. Technology and data are truly revolutionising the way that we live and work, and I can't wait to see what's next. Thanks to all our guests who spoke to us for this episode of Technically Possible. If you haven't listened already, you can find all previous episodes of Technically Possible on your favourite podcast player. And let us know what you think. Find us on social media at BAE Systems Australia or drop an email to tppodcast at baesystems.com. Technically Possible is produced by BAE Systems Australia and Audiocraft. Music by Epidemic Sound. <laughs>